Hello and welcome to another episode of the Get Italian Football News podcast. I'm your host, Sam Brooks. Uh, today I'm joined by Francesco Amesbury. How are you doing, Francesco? I'm okay, thanks, Sam. Nice to be here. Excellent stuff. And Raphael Jukovin. How are you doing, Raphael? I'm good, thanks. Looking forward to Euro starting again. Yeah, we've had a couple of days off, not really sure what to do with ourselves, uh, but, but the last 16 will be getting underway shortly. But first of all, we're going to, of course, look back at Italy's final group match, uh, which took place last Sunday. Um, they saw off Wales 1-0, a third consecutive clean sheet, a third consecutive win. What, what did you make of their performance, Francesco, after Mancini decided to rotate his squad quite a bit? Yeah, I thought they did quite well, really. Um, lots of changes, uh, which kind of made, you know, potentially made the game a little bit messy. But all things considered, it was a, a solid performance. I think it's good that they continued their clean sheet run. I think it's good that they continued their, you know, run of 30-odd games without uh, without losing. Um, and um, I like the fact that they, even though potentially... Uh, winning the group might have given them a, a more difficult draw. They still went out and won. Um, and I think it also showed that whilst the the kind of the first 11 we've seen are in, in good shape, it also shows that the whole squad is actually in pretty good shape. You know, the players that came in, Essina in particular, um, did really well. And it shows that if Mancini needs to, he can rely on other players, not just the guys who are starting every game. I also thought that Verratti, uh, you know, there's quite a lot of talk about him before the game because of how well Locatelli's done because of him coming in with an injury and how, how important a player we thought he was. I think everyone thought he was before the tournament, how he would do. And I think he was probably Italy's best player, certainly in the first half. Um, and yeah, he looked he looked in shape. So I think that all bodes well for the, for the upcoming matches. Yeah, I think everyone was keen to see how Verratti would look after... Um, you know, roughly a month, maybe even slightly more on the sidelines. Um, but he came back in. I think the first ball actually sort of went under his foot right from the sort of early on in the kickoff. Um, and we wondered, oh, what's going on here? But he had he had an excellent game, as you say, and, and set up the winning goal for Matteo Pessina. Um, what what did you make of his performance, Raphael, and, and Italy's showing overall on the day? Yeah, I thought Verratti justified his selection. I do feel a bit sorry for Locatelli. The fact that he's, you know, he's he's probably not going to start today either. And, you know, you have to feel a bit sorry for him because looking at his performance, especially against Switzerland, you know, if if it was any, anyone other than Verratti who was ahead of him, then he would be starting. So, but yeah, you know, Verratti's, question, Verratti's quality is unquestionable. And he clearly, he brings this Italy midfield to another level. Just by his understanding of the game. I think he's got a um, he's got a tactical awareness and a, a playmaking awareness really which you know how however good the the rest of the Italy midfielders are they don't quite have that um, that I guess footballing IQ in the same way that he does maybe Jorginho comes close but I think Verratti takes it to that that world class level and I think you know, once he's fit then you can't you can't afford to bench him especially in um, especially in a, in a, in a knockout in a knockout tie i thought yeah against against wales he was he, he put in a very good performance anyway I've, he he's shown that he's he's back to his best really um 
it was great to see Piscina score. That was a nice. That was a nice story. The fact that he came in at the last minute, and he came into the squad at the last minute, and then you know, there was there were there were a bit of doubts around him, but it's clearly he's he's made his mark, and that's great to see. So yeah, I, I think overall they got the job done, and I mean the biggest takeaway was Verratti really the fact that he is back to back to form and the fact that. There is um there is a reasonable amount of depth to this Italy team beyond what was a very good starting eleven anyway. I think another player people were quite keen to see was uh, Chiesa on the wing. Uh, you know, there's been a bit of debate as to who should start out of him and Berardi. Berardi did excellent in the first couple of games. What did you make of Chiesa's performance, Francesco? I th- I think Chiesa did quite well, and you know a lot of people have been saying that he's been a bit unlucky. Not to feature more, he's he's probably had his best season ever in Serie A with Juve. I think he had a great debut season, probably better than a lot of us expected. But um, at the same time, Berardi has been really, really good in the in the first two games, and um, I think Kiza is the kind of player who could also have a big impact coming off the bench because he is extremely dynamic. He's probably Italy's most dynamic player. He has that change of pace, that speed that maybe Italy lacks a little bit up front. So I think it's good that he's in good shape. But in terms of uh, of the Austria game, I think rightly so, Berardi is, is going to start. And uh, and that makes sense to me. But having Kiza as an option coming off the bench and seeing that he is in pretty good shape... Um, you know, is, is definitely a good thing. Yeah, it looks, looks like Italy have a few decent options that they can bring off the off the bench if they need to. Um, and so looking forward to that game, Saturday evening, um, there's been a bit of sort of uh, predicted lineups coming out. Um, and we've seen Giorgio Chiellini is, is not likely to be back in time. It looks like they're trying to get him ready for the quarterfinal, should Italy make it. It looks like uh, Acerbi is going to get the nod over Bastoni, Raphael. What do you make of that news? Do you think it's right to go over Acerbi for a bit of added experience or, or would you have liked to have seen Bastoni given a go? I would have liked to see Bastoni, but at the same time, Acerbi is hardly a terrible option. I think he does bring that experience and more, more than experience, he is a very good all-round defender anyway. I think you can't you can't really go wrong with either one, but it would have been nice to see um yeah just to see uh, Bastoni and his potential sort of um what what he can bring to the table in terms of transitions going forward, which Acerbi doesn't really have in his uh, in his locker, but yeah I think for this you know f- considering the the quality of the opposition, I think. Acerbi is probably a good uh, a good call because they are going to be placing, you know, a, t- a team that attacking wise does seem quite one dimensional, and I think Baston if if Bastoni is going to be used, if Chiellini is still not ready for the uh, for the next um, for the next game against them, um, I guess it would be uh, it be Belgium or Portugal, then I would bring in I would bring in Bas- Bastoni instead. But I, th- I think, I think using Acerbi in this in this scenario in this in this game isn't necessarily a bad call. And uh, yeah, I, w- I would say it's not necessarily the uh, sort of the sticking point in the in the sort of the likely lineups that have been coming out. I think um, you know, I see, it seems that the the unlikeliest 
sort of the the sticking point right now is whether whether Locatelli or or, or, um, or Verratti will start. But uh, yeah, I guess we'll see. Uh, we'll see later on. Yeah, I think I think most people would expect Verratti could probably get the nod on that one. Uh, but as you say, we'll, we'll see. Um, moving on to Austria, and and obviously they will be Italy's opponents. They won two of their three group games um, against Ukraine and North Macedonia, but did lose to the Netherlands quite convincingly. What have you made of them, Francesco? And are there any players that Italy should maybe be a bit concerned about? We know that they have. David Alaba and Sabitza, are, are those the kind of players that maybe Italy should be keeping an eye on? Yeah, I'd, I'd probably add Arnautovic to that list. I know that Arnautovic can be a little bit inconsistent. Um, you know, it's probably difficult to get him. <laughs> yeah, it's difficult to get him to play 10, 10 matches well in a row, but um, every so often he does put in a really good performance. You know, I kind of think of him as a kind of Ibrahimovic light. Um, he has you know, those touches and those moments that that can make the difference. Um, it's just whether he's in the mood and whether he's, you know, there physically as well. I know he's coming from a kind of a difficult season and well, I see uh, he's coming back from China and I think the Austrian campaign saying he's probably not in the best uh, physical shape. But um, Austria in general, I, I think I've been surprised in a good way by... Um, by them because I, before the tournament I didn't think they were probably the you know the strongest side you know I probably have said that all of the teams that Italy faced in the group stage were a bit better than Austria but um, I think Bonocci was saying in his press conference that Austria probably a level above the teams they face so far and, and now I think I agree with him based on what Austria did in the group stage you know, winning two matches is not easy in a group stage. I think they were particularly impressive against Ukraine where they pressed the ball a little bit higher up the pitch. I think they surprised, surprised Ukraine. And I was expecting Ukraine to win that match. And Austria really were, even though they only won 1-0, they, they looked very much the better side. They were pretty dominant, especially in the first half. And I think it also showed that they have a bit of variety in the way they can play. And when they do press higher up the pitch, like they did against Ukraine, for me, they look like a better side. Um, I think from Italy's point of view, one of the positives they can take is that they did struggle quite a bit against the Netherlands where the Netherlands pressed high up the pitch. And one of the themes of Mancini's Italy side is that Italy pressed the ball quite high up. So it's whether they can do that again against Austria and, and cause them the same sort of problems that the that, that Netherlands did. But I do think that Austria are, are a decent side. And I also think they're one of those, one of the teams in the in the tournament that, seem most at ease with each other. They seem like a settled side. You know, often you see with international teams, kind of individuals coming together and there's not really that kind of cohesion. But I don't think you get that with Austria. It seems like they know what they're doing. They have they have different ways of being able to play. And um, they are probably technically and physically better than, than I expect them to be before the tournament. So I think it is going to be, uh, you know, a step up in terms of difficulty for the Italians tonight. Yeah, in terms of um, players to look out for, I would add Florian Grilich in midfield. I feel like he's a very interesting player in the way that he, he sort of exploits um, the space around him. He finds a lot, he manages to find a lot of space um, and uses it quite well, which I feel would make him sort of the um, the main sort of the main threat really for Italy's midfield tonight. Him and um, obviously him and Alaba and, uh, and Sabitzer. Would be uh, would be the main threats to look out for in that sense, but 
I think Grealish is going to be that sort of focal point in the midfield to to really keep an eye on in terms of how he draws uh, the different sort of different Italy midfielders to him and how he how he creates space for attacks. So I would say that's sort of the main yeah the main the main midfield battle that's going to be going on. But I mean yeah, generally Austria are going to be. A difficult, um, a difficult ask. Potentially, is potentially it could be a, it could be a, a convincing win all the at the same time because Italy clearly there's clearly a golfing class in terms of um, in terms of just consistency across all, all positions. But yeah, I mean, on the one hand, it is a shame that we didn't get to see a, we didn't get to see Malinowski play against against Italy. With, uh, with Ukraine, we, we but still, still could if they go uh, all, all the way. <laughs> true, ne- never count them out. Yeah, can't count them out. But uh, yeah, um, one thing that's um, Francesco, you were talking about quite a settled team, but I, I think the only thing for Austria is there's been a bit of debate about where Alaba should actually play in this team. We've seen him sort of at the back a bit more. We saw him then go out wide and create a lovely goal for them in their opening match against North Macedonia. Where, where do you expect him to play and where do you think he should play if he's, if he's going to be most effective against Italy tonight? I think he's probably going to play um, as a left-back tonight and I think that is his best position and that is where he should play. Um, I think even though, you know, he is by name playing there a defender, he, he is also able to influence Austria going forwards. And, um, you know, to give credit to the rest of the Austrian side, there are good players, you know, in other areas of the pitch. I think it's always a temptation going into these tournaments to kind of focus on side's most famous player, but Austria have shown uh, that they've got um, dangerous players in other areas of the pitch, like Rafael was just saying about Grilich, but there are others as well. And I think the more they play Alaba in his normal position, the more he's going to give them instead of trying to make him kind of the centre of the team where he's possibly not used to playing and, you know, if you compare his performance against Ukraine to how he did against the Netherlands, where he looked, you know, very shaky, I think it makes a lot of sense for him to just be able to play his own game on that left-hand side. And I think he is going to be a, a danger, you know, going forwards and possibly, you know, he's going to be able to cope with... Italy are pretty, have uh, had a lot of success attacking on the right-hand side with, uh, with uh, Berardi. So... Having Alaba on that side to defend that as well is probably going to help Austria a bit, I would say. Yeah, it's going to be a going to be a fascinating clash tonight, and I'll I'll come back to you guys in a bit about your predictions for the game. Um, but of course, it's been about a week since we last uh, spoke, and there's been plenty of other games going on in different groups. Raphael, um, what sort of teams have stood out for you over the last few days that that you like the look of heading into the last sixteen? I think Spain clearly have uh, have turned up in the last few. Uh, well, in in the final group stage game, I think it might have been against a, a you know weaker Slovakia side, but clearly they 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 were sort of misfiring in their first two games, and then they just come out with a five 0 win at the end uh, with some very good finishing, some very very dominant display. So I think a lot of people were counting Spain out at the at the start because. You know they they had some fin- they had some issues with finishing their chances off, and there wasn't there wasn't that much um, sort of cohesiveness about them. But if they if they have found their way now, then I think they'll be a, a more difficult opposition than than uh, than a lot of people expect. 
Um, I think in terms of other sides, I'd say the Netherlands have looked very impressive so far in general. I think across their three games, maybe some some uh, some spells in where they've looked a bit shaky defensively, but otherwise, I, I would say I, I would tip them as a as potential finalists. And um, and P- Portugal actually, I think um, they did finish third in their group, but I think the way that they pushed France in their in their game shows that they they can go toe to toe with any team. And on the I mean on the one hand, yeah, they they, they have got quite a difficult um, a difficult sort of side of the draw. They've got Belgium and then probably Italy. I do feel like they're the they're probably one of the most well-rounded teams in the in the tournament. Even if there is a lot of fix, there's going to be a lot of fixation on Ronaldo, obviously. But I think across the pitch, there's a lot of players who seem to be bringing their A game to the to this tournament specifically. Renato Sanchez, for example, is playing some of the games of his life so far against France. He dominated the midfield, um, and you've got. You know, you've got guys like Pepe, for example, who, are, you know, they're, they're veterans. They know how to how to handle this sort of occasion. So I think Portugal are going maybe slightly under the radar by the virtue that they've they've finished third in their group. But I think if you know, if we see in in Italy, Portugal uh, a quarter final, then it could be a very interesting proposition. Yeah, I think people are quite impressed with how Portugal bounced back after they were quite roundly trounced by Germany. Um, you know, that it, it looked like it was going to be even more embarrassing than 4-2 at one point, but but as you say, much better against France. Um, just looking ahead, as as you mentioned, Raphael, um, Portugal v Belgium is one of the last 16 games, probably the most mouthwatering, actually. Um, <clears throat> and the winner of that will probably play Italy if Italy get through their game. Francesco, who do you feel... Italy would rather play out of those two teams? I th- I mean, that is a, a great question and <laughs> it's difficult to know the answer. I mean, obviously, they uh, because of because of Lukaku and Ronaldo, they, they probably know those teams' greatest threats quite well. They're playing in Serie A. For me, I mean, I've, I've been impressed with Belgium. They haven't really, uh, you know, set the tournament alight with, with spectacular play, but I like how consistent they've been. Uh, it feels like they're playing within themselves and they're in control of the situation. I was impressed with how even when they went behind against Denmark, you know, they were able to bounce back and win that game. And the fact that they have Hazard back and De Bruyne back, Lukaku looks, you know, if possible, even in better shape than he was during the Serie A season, which seems amazing to say. So, I think probably Belgium, you, you know, one of the sides that have impressed me the most. And it's, it, yeah, I, th- I think they probably would prefer to play Portugal, but it's it's really difficult to say. That, like Rafael says, Portugal are extremely well-rounded side, and both of those sides are really good. Um, I think I think they probably choose Portugal, but um, either it, you know, if they get through and play either of those sides, it's going to be a tough quarterfinal. Yeah, for sure. And and just last last thing on that, Raphael and, and Francesco, actually, you both said that you think Portugal are well-rounded. I think most people <coughs> uh, think that 
it's a, it's a better overall team than the one that won it five years ago. But Raphael, do, do you maybe have slight concerns that there's maybe not quite the same spirit in the camp? I'm, I'm not sure if that's the thing, but it seems maybe like Bruno Fernandes isn't clicking quite yet and Diogo Jota maybe not quite getting the absolute best out of him. Bernardo Silva came off at half-time um, last weekend against Germany. So are they maybe not quite clicking yet as a team? I think it's a similar case to uh, to France in a way, where you have a lot of individual talents that are not quite gelling together as a team, and uh, they're not quite they're not quite the sum of their parts. I think, judging by how they how they're playing so far, I feel like they could you know they could be uh, they could be making the most out of um, out of their their collective talents a bit better. So I agree there. I think you know objectively. Across across the squad, it's a better, it's a far better one than yeah, than 2016, which, you know, in my in my biased opinion, they didn't deserve to win. But I feel like yeah, I feel like they they have the quality anyway to go to go all the way to the final, really. But it will depend on whether because obviously for Fernando Santos has a very sort of um, conservative style of play. He's not exactly gonna. I'm gonna go all uh, man on us with these uh, with these attacking players. So it does depend on whether they can they can get the most out of them. But at the same time, Portugal do have a knack for for grinding out grinding out wins out unexpected wins out of these situations. So I think even if they don't even if they don't manage to you know to make the most of the likes of Fernandes or or Bernardo Silva, I feel like that's that though you know those players showing up would be a bonus, really, because Portugal already have that foundation that that Santos has given them to uh, to win tournament games. Yeah, I think people are quite interested to see what what two they go with in midfield as well in their four two three one system. We've seen uh, Fernando Santos, you know, go between William Carvalho and Danilo and. Joao Martinho, Joao Paulinha, so plenty of options there in the midfield. We'll see how that pans out. Um, looking at some of the other last 16 games, because there's some there's some really interesting ones. Rafael mentioned Spain earlier, um, how they seem to click in that final game. Francesco with, as he said, some good finishing from both sides, actually. Slovakia, lovely own goal from Dubravka. He'd, he'd make a terrible volleyball player. Um, but they play Croatia, who I think, sort of seem to click a bit as well in their final group game. How, how do you maybe see that game panning out? Um, I think I, I remain to be convinced by Spain. I think they were helped out in a big way by Slovakia in that last group game. And um, uh, that, that I feel like the Croatia-Spain game, it's got lots and lots of brilliant players in, but it feels to me like it could be one of those games that turns out to be really boring, where they just pass the ball around the midfield for for the whole game um i mean i i i i probably have spain as slight favorites and i do feel like they could uh, you know i don't i don't think anyone would want to play spain because of how much they monopolize the ball but i don't i feel they are a step down from the teams we've seen in kind of the last few years um and with croatia it feels to me like they're coming to the end of a you know a really brilliant generation um, but you're right that they played better in their last game. And, you know, they have got both of these sides that have got some fantastic footballers. Um, 
I suppose the key for both of these teams is having that cutting edge, something that they probably lacked a little bit in the group stages, certainly in the first two games of the group stages. So it's whoever can bring that in that match to, you know, will probably win it. Yeah, it's going to, going to be interesting to see how that one pans out. As you said, it could turn into a game of our midfields better than yours, but, um, but we'll, we'll see how that one goes. Uh, Raphael, I'm, go- I'm going to move on to France now. Um, I'm interested to hear what the sort of reaction is to France so far in the tournament. They've had obviously won their opening game, but then a couple of draws. Um, seems, you know, we're talking about this clicking into gear with quite a few teams. It seems it hasn't clicked with France yet. They play Switzerland in the last 16. Are you confident going into that? And, and and how do you feel about the team overall moving forward for the rest of the tournament? Um, yeah, I might be a bit confident about the about the Switzerland game, but moving forward, I don't, not as much. I feel like the um, yeah, the general reaction has been quite subdued. Um, we know, I mean, we know that this is the way that Deschamps plays, and he's he's gonna he's he's not exactly gonna go for gung ho football. Um, it's you know it's it's expected, but at the same time it does feel like it's taken a while for the uh, for that Mbappe Benzema uh, duo up front to really click together. It feels like in the second half against Portugal it did it did start to to show the makings of a sort of, of a sort of partnership really. I mean, um, with um, well Benzema Benzema got a double, which uh, which is clearly good news. I still feel like you know. Bringing in Benzema really on the on the eve of a of a big tournament like this was a bit of a risky move, but clearly it does seem to be it does seem to be clicking into place a bit. Maybe not enough to to really turn us into the uh, you know into the sort of the team that, that we were in 2018. But there are some there are some promising signs. So I I mean against Switzerland I feel like we should have sort of the the facilities to get through that even if Switzerland have looked have looked pretty good and there are going to be some threats and you know the likes of the likes of Shakiri for example who always shows up in uh, in international tournaments uh, especially against France actually I think he scored against us in the in the 2014 World Cup so uh, yeah he'll be he'll be a, he'll be a player to look out for but um, yeah, moving forward against the biggest sides, I am not. I'm not that. Uh, I'm not as confident. I feel like we were lucky to play against Germany in the first uh, in the first group stage game, when Germany weren't quite at their best and they were still sort of finding themselves. I feel like if we played Germany in, in the last group stage game or even the second one, we probably would have lost because I, I don't. I feel like they Germany weren't just, they weren't fine tuned yet. Uh, I mean. A, a performance like the one they put in against Portugal, for example, I don't think France would have been able to to counter that. So yeah, it is it is a bit shaky with, uh, with France. That there are the sort of a, there's there are a few signs that a team is sort of being put together, but I don't think I don't think the the length of the tournament will be enough for it to really consolidate. 
Yeah, and we uh, still got a, a few, uh, I think, three more games to get through uh, this this weekend. Um, Go to touch on the Netherlands next, Francesco. I, I think most people sort of see Netherlands as a little bit like Italy, where they've looked really impressive so far, but we're still not 100% how good they are because they were in a relatively easy group. What have you made of the Netherlands so far? And, and, and in particular, I think Jeannie Wijnaldum's, you know, absolutely tearing it up at the moment. And, and of course, they've got Delict back uh, in defence now. Are, are you quite optimistic about how far they can go, particularly given the side of the draw they're on? Yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the big positive for the Netherlands, the fact that they, they're they going to be favourites in their last 16 match. They're going to be, if they get through that, they're going to be favourites in their quarterfinal. And they won't have to play a big team, in inverted commas, until the, the semifinals, at least, Um and I do feel like they're getting better as as the games go on, and they have some real top players in their sides. Uh, in their side, um, you know, De Ligt, De Vrij, we we obviously know them quite well. Following Serie A, to, for me, two of the best defenders in Europe, but also, uh, like you've just mentioned, Wayne Adam. I th- for me, Wayne Adam's been the best player of the tournament so far. I think he's been excellent, and. The only, I, I think, the only question mark for me about the Netherlands is they probably don't have an out and out centre forward, a la Van Basten, to rely on. Um, that's probably somewhere where they are lacking a little bit. Um, but but having said that, they have scored a few goals. You know, they've been getting goals from midfield, and I definitely think they're strong favourites to make the semi finals. And once they get to the semi finals, you know, they'll probably be playing England or Germany. I think whilst they probably won't be the favourites in that match, it's not, you know, it's not impossible to see them getting all the way to the final. So, yeah, I think the Netherlands are looking good. And as, you know, as I just said, they've got these two, they've got two rounds where they're going to be the favourites, possibly will grow even more in confidence. So, yeah, I think they're look, it's looking good for them. Yeah, they play Czech Republic on Sunday evening, so uh, we'll see how that one pans out. But as you say, they will enter that game as quite convincing favourites, I think. Um, One of the last 16 games that's maybe going a bit under the radar, Sweden-Ukraine. Sweden, of course, won two games and and drew with Spain in the group, Raphael. Do do you have them as quite clear favourites in that one? Or or, or could you possibly see Ukraine, you know, pulling off somewhat of an upset? I wouldn't say they're clear favourites, so to speak. I feel like Ukraine, even if they did underperform against uh, against Austria, that there's still a big threat going forward. Um, not just not just Malinovsky that we you know who, who we all know, but Yaramchuk and um, and, uh, and Yarmolenko, for example, they've 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 performed reasonably well. So it wouldn't be too much of a surprise to see them go through. But at the same time, Sweden do look very solid, and. Um, I think Alexander Isak has been one of the best, uh, the best forwards in the tournament so far. Um, he's looked mercurial, really, in the way the way that he's played. Not necessarily, not necessarily in terms of goal scoring prowess, but just yeah, his general uh, his general play. So, yeah, I would expect Sweden to go through, but at the same time, I feel like Ukraine do have a. They've always got, they've always got some goals in them. So it's going to be. It's, it could be it could be a close game, closer than a lot of people think. Yeah, I, I think that could go a bit under the radar. And there could be a few goals in that one. Obviously, we saw in Sweden's last group game that was a three-two thriller in the end. So let's hope for something quite similar, I suppose. Um, of course, the, the first 
game of the last 16 is Wales-Denmark. Um, I think everyone's taken Denmark to their hearts this tournament, Francesco, for obvious reasons. Um, and they were exceptional in their last group game against Russia. Um, some stunning goals. Uh, really pleased for Damsgaard uh, and his excellent goal, given what he's done at Sampdoria this year. Do you expect them to get past Wales? And, and could they even push on into the semis and, and beyond that, a la 1992? Yeah, I mean, I think both of these sides are going to be feeling pretty good about this draw and and their chances of maybe, you know, going deep into the tournament. Um, I the, the, way, the way that Denmark have re- reacted to, to what happened to Ericsson has been pretty amazing, really. Um, I mean, they played really well against Belgium and um, against Russia to pull off that kind of win to get through. They were really impressive. Um, you know, you've mentioned Damsgaard, but they've got a few interesting players and I, th- but I think it's, it's a very evenly matched game. I, I think Wales probably have better, uh, you know, individuals in Gareth Bell and Aaron Ramsey. I think they are probably a little bit above the best that Denmark can offer, but probably as a rounded team, Denmark have a little bit more. So it's going to be interesting to see. I think Wales are playing really well. I think even in the game against Italy where, they had a man sent off. They could have easily drawn that match. And they've, you know, they've got a lot of pace, which I think is important, can be a real weapon. And they have a real goal threat, Wells. Um, you know, they've, they've looked like scoring on all of the games. Um, so, yeah, it's tough to call that one. And, but, you know, it's going to be interesting. And both of those teams are going to be feeling good about their chance of getting, you know, at least the semifinals, maybe even further. Yeah, I think... Um... We'll have to see how that one goes, but uh, excellent opportunity for, for both sides there to to have to extend their run. Um, and of course, the final uh, game that we have to touch on is England Germany. I, I said Portugal Belgium was perhaps the most mouthwatering. This is close behind. Um, I think a lot of people feel there's more to come from both sides, perhaps, Raphael. Um, you know, England looked very solid at the back so far, but not exactly blowing teams away going forwards. And Germany were exceptional against Portugal, but not great in the other two games. How do you how do you see this game shaping up? I think England have more of a chance than a lot of people uh, seem to give them credit for. It does seem like they've gone uh, they've gone a bit under the radar, at least outside of England, obviously. Um They've got, you know, they they went through the whole group stage without conceding a goal. They've got some some very good options going forward. Even if you know, I think Southgate has some some pretty questionable selection uh, decisions in terms of his starting lineups, I feel like Jaden Sancho should really be having a more sort of central role in the in the uh, you know in the England setup. But other than that, I mean, especially especially considering they're going to be playing against Germany. I feel like players like him and uh, him and Bellingham would be very useful in terms of just being able to to adapt to the way that that the um, well the, all these Bundesliga players know how to play. So I feel like those two could be very could be very important but in general terms I feel like England are you know they're a very solid team and Germany are going to you know they're going to find it harder to break them down than they did against against Portugal. I feel like Germany seem to have when there when there aren't too many spaces at the back they do they do seem like um, they have trouble sort of picking up our defences. I mean 
other than unless unless Robin Gossens has another blinder like he did against Portugal, I feel like in terms of outlets, they are quite limited. So I think that'll play in England's favour. And but yeah, general and yeah, generally speaking, I feel like it, we've seen we've seen against France and Hungary that against very sort of consolidated units, uh, Germany do struggle. So I feel like it's going to go in England's favour. Interesting. Yeah, I think um, really fascinating game. I'm not sure what to expect from that one, to be honest. But uh, we're going to end the episode with some quick fire predictions. Then we're going to go through all the last 16 games. So firstly, Francesco, Wales, Denmark, who's coming out on top? I'm going to go with Denmark. Denmark. OK. Raphael, Italy, Austria, who's coming out on top? It's got to be Italy. Got to be Italy. Okay. Italy approves the quarters. Um, moving on to Sunday, we've got Netherlands, Czech Republic. Who do you think, Francesco? Netherlands. Netherlands. Sunday evening. Trying to get my fixtures right here. Who's playing Sunday evening? Ah, Belgium, Portugal. Who's winning that one? Portugal. It's got to be Portugal. Portugal. I don't know how that one's going to play out. Going to be a fascinating game. On to Monday, we have Spain, Croatia. Who do you think, Francesco? Uh, uh, I think Spain. Spain, okay. France, Switzerland, Raphael, are you sticking with France here? I'm going to stick with France, yeah. Okay. And then on to Tuesday, finishing off, we've got England, Germany is the earlier one. What do you think, Francesco? Uh, I mean, this one is very hard to call. I think probably, I mean, I'm not sure at all. Maybe, maybe Germany, but yeah, yeah, maybe Germany if you if you make me make predictions. Yeah, it's, I really don't know. I, um, I think that's that's the toughest one to call, perhaps. Um, and then Raphael finishing off Ukraine, Sweden. You've sort of hinted that perhaps Ukraine have a better chance than people think. So, are you going to tip them for the upset? Uh, I'm going to go with Ukraine actually. Going Ukraine. It's, good, okay. it's, it's a bit left field, but I feel like Ukraine have have what it takes. Well, I'll, I'll remember the predictions for the for the next episode, and, and of course we can discuss them then. But uh, of course, thanks a lot for joining me, and and thanks everyone for listening today. And uh, enjoy the last sixteen, guys. Bye-bye.